No challenges remaining after the U.S. Open. I'm Ben Rothenberg. Try my Courtney Nguyen. Hello, Courtney. Hello, Benji. Sorry if I feel if I sound a little bit stuffed up. It's because I am uh, feeling it physically after a lot of days in New York, which is just as a city, like one punch to the face to the next. Uh, but we're here to talk about an incredibly paradigm shifting, incredible, unexpected moment for women's tennis uh, that happened uh, just this past recently. Uh, Courtney, what were your thoughts when you saw Maria Sharapova uh, post the photo of herself <laughs> with the Williams sisters at the Met Gala? What 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 did you think? Because to me, like, <laughs> this is the first time I think that I've ever, like, sort of, like, borrowed some content and pinned it to my Twitter. I was like, people need to see this. <laughs> like, I, this is shocking. This is truly shocking. It was, a, it was, it was like, it was beginning of an era, end of an era, completely changes the game. Completely. Seismic. Seismic is the word. Um, First and foremost, between you and me, canon. This photo, Mm -hmm. this this photo is now canon. Yes, Um, yes. it's WT canon. Uh, So we'll add that to the list. But outside of that, um, yeah, no, it was unexpected. Um, If anything, going into the Met Gala, I was wondering if, like, you know, wouldn't it be cool if there was a photo of Naomi and Layla? Because I had completely forgot that Layla is the one that that knocked her out until you had sent a text, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I forgot I like, that." Very generous of her to invite Layla to her Met Gala. Yeah, yeah, I mean, what a what a magnanimous party thrower! And apparently, Naomi Osaka throws such epic parties that everybody's having a good time. Everybody, even Matteo Berrettini, he looks like he's having a great time holding up the wall. Uh, he looks like he's having a great time working coat check, like. The amount of, of, of wallflower energy coming from the Berrettini Tomjanovic pair, who seemed to completely bypass the photographers. <laughs> first of all, there were no wire photos of them, at least in the first 24 hours things were going on. And they looked great. They looked you know, amazing. They, they looked great. And people actually, like, people. was given people, good blue steel. People who were like, like, fans of other people were like, who's this in the background of this photo? And it was like Mateo standing yeah. there, you know, stealing, yeah. stealing the frame from Lord. <laughs> Isla, to her credit, was on theme. Very on theme. New literal dress. and on theme yes just like perfect and she looked yeah. great they were absolutely killing it if people have they were on the photo call sheet they would have crushed it walking up they would have had some lovely photos uh so i was a little bit bummed about that but um, i was wondering like i was wondering like it's shouldn't everybody be on the photo call sheet for the met gala you would think no, no? no. aren't there just gonna be random like rich people i don't know yeah i guess that, he's like Wimbledon finals. The met gala? That, that, that's a, that's a misfire from the uh from the call sheet because you know he's the Wimbledon finalist he, he should be on there Matt even if his outfit was not very like Met Gala-ish it was a solid it was tux. very Met Gala-ish insofar as it was just a tuxedo that was what most of the men were wearing which That's is true. basic 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 tuxedos and men mm-hmm. we need to talk about this um just not on this podcast but just generally just you need to talk about the fact that just throwing on a tuxedo is just not always the thing I'm doing my part one shoe at a time okay I'm I know Benji, Benji's shoes were Met Gala appropriate. Thank you. 100%. 
hundred percent America. Um, but yeah, but yes, obviously, uh, a surprise. Um, I think I immediately texted you like, I wish I could explain the face that I made when I clicked on your photo, your your tweet, and saw the enlarged photo of of Maria Sharapova, Serena Williams, and Venus Williams, uh, uh hamming it up together. And then uh, today, the Gala. further footage of them like still like chit chatting in the bathroom, Kiki, and just being girls, you know, together. And I was wondering like. Is it part of it just that, like, they don't know anybody else there? That could be part of it, right? Like, they don't know people at the Met Gala. So maybe they're like, oh, I know Serena. I'll go talk to Serena. But still, like, given everything we know about the Serena Sharapova situation. And also, it also changed for me the next day when Venus put up her own pictures of the group. It's like, oh, this was consensual. <laughs> it wasn't like, oh, this wasn't just Sharapova crashing in Williams' and, party. And Maria's fiancé, Alexander, I think, is the one that took all the photos. So oh, Okay. I think so. I could be wrong, but I'm I'm pretty sure. So it was all it was all in the fam. It I got was, to pu- I got it, to pull up the Istanbul 2012 footage of the draw ceremony. I still talk about iconic moments where you remember where you were. I can still see that happening as I'm standing up against the the wall in the back of the mm-hmm. room. I think I don't know if I was standing next to you or to Miney or who, but I think that we were all like, "Yo, look like they're just chat- they're just chatting it up." And it was interesting because. Um, not to get too waylaid, but um, there was some reaction that I saw on my Twitter timeline once I tweeted out the photo of kind of like, see, this is proof that people made too much of the beef of, you know, women, women don't always hate each other, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm not saying they hated each other, but I think it's pretty well documented. There is not a lot at of love times there. in their career. They had issues with each other and in their post career on, on court. Do you remember that sure. clip of, of of Serena where she was on like the podcast with Chanda? She was doing a, yeah, a thing with Chanda set match, I think. Yeah, yeah, or, or something yeah. with Chanda. I, I believe maybe Cena, and then they were interviewing her, and she's like, and she just made some completely irrelevant like side swipe of Sharapova that was completely not related to the topic they're talking Which about. Which is fine because also Maria took swipes at her obviously in her book. Oh I mean, yeah, this and this has all been done publicly. I don't think that we're talking about anything that's like behind the scenes. Some of the most very public sniping happened in the most iconic press room in tennis at Wimbledon years ago. So, yeah. So, you know, this isn't, um, I, I bring this up just to say this isn't like, um, inside tennis backroom. Yeah. Backroom or like fans, uh, creating fanfic out of nowhere. Like this person doesn't like that person, which I see all the time. And I'm like, that's just not true. Like, and it's not to say they didn't like each other, but we know that the, the waters have, have been choppy. At different times of their career, so it was surprising to see it. To jump chronologically, and great. To jump chronologically to the middle of this women's U.S. Open, we're about to talk about in this episode. We'll do a men's episode separately after this with the women's show. Maria Sakari, I appreciated. She said when she was going to play Pliskova, yeah. she was like, uh, "People might think we have beef because we had that match in Rome, where she, obviously you know Pliskova got her Paul Bunyan on, but um, but no, but like we're actually cool and like everything's fine now. People might not I know, mean, but which like, people I appreciated the adultness of that. Yeah, and also acknowledging people... the elephant in the room. And saying, but it's fine. Because people yeah. can be mature and move on. Well, and also, let's be clear, Carolina's issue was with the umpire chair, not with Maria. Um, as true. her as her actions uh, uh, for charity, Lumberjacking for charity, uh, ended up uh, proving. But yes, yeah, so it was definitely surprising. It was definitely very cool to see. Um, I appreciated that, like, with the weird backroom candid moments also were captured where... Yeah, it seemed like they were just all having a good time. It could be a little bit of, of you know, I don't know anybody else, so I'm just going to hang with, with people that I know. It could be a little bit of that. This Met Gala did seem to be a lot younger 
a lot like a, this new generation of celebrities yeah. that are not the same they are more like kind of like Naomi's generation of celebrity yeah. than necessarily you know Serena and Sharapova or like Roger Four was there very young chairs of this thing in Naomi Amanda Gorman Billie Eilish and Timothy Shalamalam <laughs> like like complete scale I've said my I thoughts can't, on I can't, Twitter I can't I can't I can't I with just... any of that and then we're like oh it's so intimate no not where... any of that but with Tim like okay. I, I I love Amanda Gorman oh yeah, no, 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 I'm not sick I... about Billie Eilish obviously we feel the way that we feel about Naomi we think that she's great it's the Chalamet of it all the Chalamet of it all here's the thing some people I saw Carol and other people were like oh it's so innovative to wear like Converse with a white suit have you not been to a lesbian wedding in the last 20 years everybody's doing it all right Converse in the white suit it's been done Everybody does it. Thank you to Oberfell and everybody for ushering in the era of Converse in white suits. Okay, <laughs> we've been doing it. Oberfell forever. I know. Uh, yeah. No. I mean, I I'm pretty sure I wore Converse with my white suit jacket to that WTA in the park thing uh, at Wimbledon a few years ago. So it, it. Trust me. I wear the Converse with the suit all the time. I've been doing it longer than little Tim. Um, I don't tiny know. Tim. I just tiny Tim, tiny Tim. I I just did. I found nothing about that interesting. Anyways, so we're going way off. I mean, we're not okay. talking even tennis anymore. We're I don't talking about we're talking about the time we're, on my we're talking about the use end of an era. Talking about Shamalong. beginning of an era, beginning of an era, a new dawn, a new day in which the warring queendoms of Sharapova and Williams are suddenly having a new peace. Will the factions the land. get along? Be- Will the I, armies who, and families? They'll have dial to because down? there's also I don't a know. new very out of nowhere empress from the east and the north and the west and she's from all over it's emirati kanu who uh i went back and listened to the draw show we did actually spend a decent amount of time i spent a decent amount of time like gushing about how good i thought she was in qualities which i was i thought that aged well not to brag but i was like okay i was and it's one of the things is like i was grappling with after this title like Okay, this is not just some random qualifier who did this. This was somebody right. who was very much circled as, like, the marquee name in qualifying this year, who had just made the fourth round of Wimbledon, who had made a final in 125 Chicago, who was on the up and had obviously had this very high-profile exit from Wimbledon in the fourth round where she had her breathing difficulties and defaulted from that match without coming back and got all sorts of tabloid attention and England soccer players weighing in on stuff. So it was, like, a very high-profile qualifier, one of the most high-profile qualifiers we've had in a long time, honestly. Yep. But like, but that doesn't lead to, I think, any real reckoning of what she did. And actually, in our draw show, we thought the punch was going to play Jennifer Brady in the first round, which was her original draw. Uh, Brady pulls out. We thought she had a I good did chance call beating that. Brady. Yeah, yeah, we, no. we yeah, yeah. Okay, yes, yeah. We we, we yeah. did nothing. Brady had a good chance in that match no. or in, in the tournament, basically. But then, Ronakano beats lucky loser Stephanie Vogelay, Zhang Shuai, who had beaten her in. San Jose recently, so it's a the only win. WTA player that has played her twice. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Zhang Shuai split those. Then, but, yeah. then gets like the real. It's actually similar to uh, what was the score in Australia when Aslan Karatsev in like the second round beat Igor Garasimov. Like it was something like six love, six one, six love, and it was like, what is going on with this guy? Like <laughs> who's doing? This? And then Karatsev turned out to make the semis had this amazing year. That sort of like. Canary in the coal mine moment matches. was the three best tournament yeah. match, who's yeah. just like one of the toughest outs in women's tennis this year to beat her love and one with like no drama, and then continues rolling over Shelby Rogers, who beat Nash Barty two and one. Then she gets uh, Belinda Bencic, recent gold medalist, definitely the toughest on paper to that point, and beats her three and four in a relatively close but straightforward kind of match, and then plays Maria Sakari, rolls, flies out of the gate in that match, gets off to a very fast lead, wins at six one six four. 
And then in the final, beats Layla Fernandez 6-4-6-3. And it was like... Yeah, I was just sort of imagining, like, if you think of a, a qualifier doing well, and this goes for other sports, too, you know, like, think of, like, Cinderella's in March Madness or something. Like, you think they're going to, like, win buzzer beaters, like, play on the margins and, like, sort of scrape by and, and, and just barely, you know beat you at the edges and sort of out-hustle you and whatever and, and really fight. And that's probably a lot of what we'll talk about Fernandez later. It's kind of what Fernandez's run looked a little bit, felt a little bit more like. But Raducanu was just so much better than everybody. And it's like, what? Like, how? 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 What? I still don't totally... I still don't totally... I mean, I watched it. It was tough to know, like, where she was at any point in the tournament because she hadn't been challenged. Going into that final, it was like, okay, well, Fernandez is battle-tested. They get into a third set. They get into tight, you know, tie breaks or whatever... Fernandez has the experience there. She's proven herself. We don't know how Emma will react to tight matches. The best way to react to tight matches is not to play them. Just don't play them. Winning exactly. 20 sets in a row from qualifying on only went 7-5 even once against Miriam Bolkvadze. Use that name a lot more Georgia's than I thought finest. I would. Georgia's Is she finest? Is she head of Shapatova? Maybe. Anyway, Emma Raducanu wins. Let's talk, we'll talk about a lot of stuff about her, I'm sure. But like, just on the sort of like, how do you process this result, Courtney? Like, how did she do it? I am still processing, to be quite honest. I mean, we're recording this on Wednesday after after the final. And um, I think that it's I don't on one hand, there is literally Emma Raducanu made history. Literally no one in the sport, male or female, has ever done in the open era caveat, whatever, uh, what Emma Raducanu has done, which is win a Grand Slam as a qualifier. Yeah. Um. So we don't have a a way of comparing or, or really contextualizing what she's done. She's the first to ever do it. She does it in in demonstrative style, in in dominating style. Have we seen that before? Of course we have. We have seen players do that. Uh, obviously, typically players who have dominated through slam wins are greats or they're veterans. You know, you th- this was the first time somebody won the U.S. Open without dropping a set woman uh, since Serena did it. Okay, so Serena's done this, you know, or um, whatever. But that's different. Emma's not a great yet. So I feel like that's not a good comparison. So then, okay, are there young people who have done what she's done? Well, there was Sviantek yeah. less than a year ago at Roland Garros, who actually main draw, because Iga obviously didn't play qualifying, but just main draw, Iga lost fewer games than um, than 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 Raducanu did. Their draws arguably pretty comparable as well. Maybe not necessarily on paper. Iga did pull off that great win over uh, Simona Halep, which was her signature win that kind of validated, I think, what was an otherwise fairly soft-ish draw to to Roland Garros. To the final. Uh, I mean, she played Kenan. To the final, then she played Kenan. Sure. Uh, But but, uh, for Raducanu, on paper, you know, she's got, she came into the US Open having never played a top 40 player. She finally gets that in back-to-back matches with uh, Bencic and um, and, uh, Sakari. But... I think that, and I say this with all respect, but also because I think that these players would absolutely acknowledge it because they basically did in their press conferences. This was a triple choke um, by Shelby Rogers, Belinda Bencic, and Maria Sakkari. None of them stepped onto the court and played anything close to the tennis that had brought them to that point. That's not Raidu Kanu's fault at all. She beat them. She beat them decisively. But on paper, what looks like then, you know, well, Rogers beat the world number one and, you know, Bench has just been a gold medalist and Sakari, this is her second slam semifinal. You know, did Raducanu play those players? No. Well, but that's well, ha- again. Go ahead. I was, I, this is a conversation I was having, I think, after the semifinal or someone, I think 
Matt Futterman from the Times actually asked Sakaru that. He was like, you're the third straight players come in here. And after losing to Radu Khan and said, I played nowhere near my best. Like, how much credit does she deserve for that? When it starts to be so many players who are bewildered by her and so far off their best, like, okay, one is a free Fair. pass. Three in a row, I feel like she deserves some credit for. Oh, yeah. No, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. But at that point, it's the same thing as the the the, the, the line that kept coming to my mind while she was doing this. Um and in a lot of ways, this is why I think that the sliding doors match when you look at this um, this draw completely is the Barty-Rogers match. If Barty closes out, led 5-2 in the third, closes yeah. that out, then she plays Radu Kanu. I'm not saying Barty wins that match, but I'm saying that if Radu Kanu wins that match, then the groundswell ha- begins much earlier and it's yeah. it's it's the Halep win for Iga would have been the Radu Kanu win over Barty, you know, or vice versa, that Barty beats her and, you know, we're not here. But so I think that was a pretty significant win that that Shelby pulled off. But um, that being said, I think that absolutely, you know, there comes a point where like your mythology or, or just, you know, nobody likes losing to somebody younger than them. And what um, uh, Naomi Osaka said very famously after she lost to Coco Goff playing an absolutely craptastic match yeah. in the Australian Open, just hitting herself out of the match. Uh, Coco played well. She served great in that match, like nothing taken away from Coco. But we all knew as it was happening that Naomi Osaka was not on that court, the, the one that had won, yeah. you know, two majors. And she said, like, I love Coco. I love that girl to death, but I hate losing to her. And it's really coming down to that. I mean, you don't. And, and I think that Goff has gotten a lot of wins, especially those margin wins that you talk about, Ben. Like, you know, yeah. like especially like at Wimbledon in her breakout of players, whether it's a U.S. Open, Tamea Babosh or Polona Herzog at Wimbledon of just like they just got rattled because you shouldn't be losing to a 15, 16 year old. Yeah. You know, and that that lose makes them. So I think that there's a little bit of that with Radu Kanu. But that being said, watching Radu Kanu play there's so much to like about the way that she plays. I mean, it's so balanced. It's so fluid. The stroke production's incredible. I was sending you guys photos throughout the tournament of of moments where she looks exactly like Lena, yeah. um, just in her her shot production, in the visor. Sometimes her ponytail was looked a little bit short, and it was just eerie how much it looked that athletic and dynamic. So there's a lot to like. This doesn't feel like a one-off. But, you know, especially when I compare it to, you know, again, the 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 name that's going to come up quite a lot is is Bouchard and what Bouchard did kind of that one season playing, you know. Or Ostapenko. Or, well, no, Ostapenko, because Ostapenko, if people were high on that, like she's going to replicate this forever, they're crazy because that's, True. that yeah. game is, is, is redlining. Like we all know that. We, we, the question was, like Ostapenko's run was unbelievable. But there's still going to be a question of can you replicate this week in, week out? I think that with with Radu Kano, she looks like she has the type of game that can be replicated week in, week out. It's not entirely based on power. It's not pure. It's not pure grinding. There's an intelligence in her shot making. Her serves pretty good for 18 and it's just going to get better. Like there's a lot to like, but there's so much that you just want to pull back on and just be like, let's see. Let's see. I did a long interview with Mark Petchy uh, during the tournament after she won, after she beat uh, Serbia's Torbo, and before she, we thought she was going to play Barty, setting up that match. And because um, he worked with her a lot during the pandemic at the LTA National Training Center in Roehampton. And he said basically, he talked a bunch about grips, which we talked about on our Patreon show, like, not grip people, but um, really reworked her forehand. And so he said Emma's biggest asset, really, to that point was her court IQ. 
like in reading opponents quickly, knowing where opponents didn't want the ball. And what they worked on essentially is making her capable of being able to execute on that vision. Like you have the vision, you know where the opponent doesn't want the ball. Now can you reliably put them in that position? And like that's what he said is clicked. Like she already like un- like really saw the game and that sort of he called it a helicopter view. Like she was looking from above and he like she could read the game really well. And that was always there for her apparently, but just like, the shots weren't there and the forehand technique was ugly and the serve was not great or whatever. But once you clean that up, and obviously it's so much easier said than done, but like once you unlock that, it really did remind me of tennis elbow where it's a video game I play and you basically have careers of players and because I've obviously played this game for years I played the 2013 version of the game so I'm playing it for eight-ish years now it's fantastic highly recommend but I when I start a new player I'm obviously better because I'm the controller of this person than their ranking is and so I get results way ahead of schedule and you know do things like win a slam my first season on tour okay and it's almost like she was there. It's almost like she had sort of, she was so clear on like the rules of the game and stuff that it was like she'd beaten this game before. But she's brand new. And not only that, like, that's what one of the things Timani said that I think struck me after the final. Like, we've had teenagers win before. Teenagers winning is not that shocking. Martina Hingis won five Correct. slams, and the last one came when she was 18 years old. And this the, is the Williams third sisters. consecutive season that we've had a teenager win a major, starting with Bianca, then Iga. Right. Now this. So this is all this stuff about changing of guards and things. I was like, I'm confused as to who people think is being relieved of duty. But continue. No, but there's been a lot of young champions for sure. But what there has not been is anybody this inexperienced with this little credentials. Like the things that she has not done. And Timon had a great tweet about this list. Like she has not played, I think, like five tour level events. She has not played a three set match on tour level. She has not played a clay court tournament on tour level these like basic basic things and just skipping so far ahead it's krejcikova in singles a little bit yeah that's not a bad bad analogy but krejcikova was around longer too exactly and and krejcikova for not of trying so krejcikova would have had gained information yeah even just by being by being big and big stage presence playing the doubles finals and stuff like she had no but but it's i'm saying singles to singles it was a little bit of kind of that of just like I don't know how you're doing this because, like, yeah, like in the same way that we're like, Kachikova's gonna play her first Wimbledon. Kachikova's gonna play her first U.S. Open. Kachikova's never played main draw Cincinnati. Like all of these sorts of things. Like you know, Raducanu's gonna have that for the next twelve months, every it's, single week. <laughs> it's gonna be crazy. So, I mean, yeah, I. It's exciting. It's it's a little bewildering. It's 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 an interesting pair. We're doing them in different episodes, but it's a fascinating pair this title going against the Novak story, which is like sort of the culmination of a whole career, you know, essentially 15 years on tour, laboring away, trying to win the most slams, trying to win the affection of the crowd. It's like life's work, looking honestly fairly haggard by the end in terms of how that final went versus the vibe. I mean, like the sort of, maybe I'll do this for like dueling episode titles of like Novak, like it's hard to do what Novak's doing. And Radicom is like, what? Like, it's hard? Like, just showing up a winning slam. Totally. Like, it, she is the it, legally blonde uh, uh, yeah, gift. Completely. Yeah. So, yeah. So she is. So that's all the stuff from her tennis. But, but, and then, but, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, that. well, that, that's my question to you is that is that, you know, this feels seismic. This feels like a game changer. There's a lot of excitement and anticipation of what Emma Raducanu, Grand Slam champion at 18 years old, being you know, British 
and, you know, a father's Romanian, mother's uh, Chinese speaking fluent. I think it was Mandarin, but it could have been yeah, Cantonese. Yeah, Mandarin. It, okay, my parents and I were debating this because they were like, no, that's Mandarin. I was like, well, it says it's, uh, they said it was Cantonese. And I was like, well, it says it's Mandarin. But anyways, yeah, you know, all of these sorts of things represented by IMG, you know, what it means going forward. And there are already 72 hours later, we're already seeing some of it. And I, yeah, wrapping your head around that aspect of it as well, off court, is is kind of a fascinating thing. It is honestly, I forget who first said this to me, but it's completely right. Maybe it was Nick McCarvel who said, like, if the WTA or women's tennis wanted to create a player in a lab, it would spit out pretty much exactly Emirati Tanu. <laughs> like, dream scenario. Like, you know, wins Cinderella fashion, dominant run in New York. Is British. Is pretty. Is you know, half Romanian, which, as you know, they do numbers on that. People yes. may not know, but Romania already, yeah. Romania does numbers on the website uh, and, and general tennis coverage. Romanians care about tennis a lot. And then being half Chinese and speaking fluent Mandarin. What was like, it like for Stacey Allister to stand there and feel vindicated about WT Asia? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Her, she's like... It's not happening this year, but just you wait. Like, you know, like it's, you know, and also born in Canada. There are Canadian yeah. ties as well. So, and Canada gets very excited about about their homegrown talent as well. I mean, there's a lot going on there. It checks a but, lot of boxes and it, and she will endorse a lot of checks on the back of them because, yeah, like, I mean, and that's, and that, and you know, it's almost funny. I was like, how quickly does she pass Naomi and Ernest? <laughs> it was my thought, which is insane. But, like, I mean, the upside is enormous it's definitely enormous it that will be an interesting one when it comes down to the forbes race i mean you still are talking about somebody who is a four-time major champion and 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 former world number one you know compared to an 18 year old with one um but obviously opening the british market is a big big one because naomi as much as she is um you know raised in america and in, in many ways an american she doesn't you know she doesn't uh, play for America, whereas Emma plays for Britain, and that's a very big, massive thing. Um, and then also, just I, I'm still curious to see about the the Asia side, about how much how much China embraces her and things like that. Whereas Japan was like immediate, you know. Uh, but then again, she plays for Japan, so yeah. it, you know. And also, the Tokyo Olympics were a really, really big deal. But she speaks um, the language, and Nami doesn't. She speaks, yeah. So it's very, very interesting. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I think you know this. I was saying it from quarterfinals on, like this. This is massive. What could happen here, um, from a purely marketing perspective, and 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 women's tennis, and you know, and when we talk about it, I don't like getting into the crass stuff of like, yes, okay, like I, it was really annoying to me, just the constant like, and she has a smile that'll light up a stadium. Last time I checked, that's not a column on the on next to winners and loss, uh, winners and unforced errors. Like no. that was very grating to me. I didn't like it. I know that it will just continue. I know that's kind of how things are discussed or things phrased in yeah. certain countries that mm -hmm. she represents um, because I've seen it before with certain players. So I, I just really dislike it. I don't, you know, but I know that it's the reality, whatever. Um, but I think that the, the, the interesting thing is for Radu Kanu. Yeah. I mean, it's massive. It's seismic. How much of it still is going to be tied to wins and losses? How much will, you know, uh, sponsors want to jump on immediately or do they stay? They, because I think a little bit of 
Osaka, um, my theory is that some of the the influx and rapidity of her deals had a lot to do with the Tokyo Olympics. It was a backdoor yeah. way for a lot of sponsors to get TV time, especially Japanese sponsors, um, at the Olympics instead of like having to pay massive amounts to, to actually sponsor Tokyo 2020, you know? Yeah. Um, so that would have accelerated a lot of the deals as opposed to people maybe waiting a little bit and seeing, you know, what happens. So I'm very curious about that stuff. I mean, I, I'm certainly interested in the marketing of tennis, but all that being said, set all that stuff aside, the numbers coming out of the UK in terms of the viewing numbers on Channel 4, which, you know, uh, the US Open is is not carried on the Beeb, which is, um yeah, but is 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 carried on Channel Four? I don't think they. Pay no, it's on Amazon money. Prime. It's on Amazon Prime and Channel Four, especially paid to get the rights to the final once Emma made it. Ah, uh, I see. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, but that that the peak of the women's final, twenty twenty one U.S. Open women's final, was within earshot of the peak of the twenty nineteen Novak Roger twenty uh, Wimbledon final. Which yeah. was on the Beeb is crazy. I think it was like nine point two for the for for Radu Kanu and like nine point six for Djokovic Federer. That is wild to me, you know, because it, it's hard to. I I didn't want to go and like compare it to like twenty twenty one Wimbledon final because competing with the Euros, there's a lot kind of going on there. Like in England being in the final, there was a lot going on. Like that was a little bit of a legit caveat, so that didn't seem like a fair comparison. But but if I mean if she's pulling those numbers. At a evening final, I guess it was kind of prime time. It would have been four o'clock. It's on the late like, side. It started. started yeah, late side, like there. nine. Yeah. yeah, nine, nine in London, and pulling those numbers. That is the metric that matters more to me than in in terms of elevating women's tennis. In terms of putting it in a in a position in a very major market like Britain, who is, I think, hungry for for a women's tennis oh, God, star. Yeah. Um, and you know she'll be no. She is now new British number one, ending contest 310 week uh, streak at that spot. It's pretty massive. And you're seeing it across the board in every metric. It's what she passed a, a million followers on, on Insta. One of the few tennis players to have over a million on Insta. So she's already at like 1.7, I think. I mean, she's flying. Really? Yeah. Jesus. So yeah. uh, that's the thing. Like, and I don't know if you saw the thing with the, the Royal Mails, like putting her name on all the envelopes on the postmarks. What? Yes, look at my Twitter. Like they're they're <laughs> they are like doing this thing where like every letter that gets sent with like a regular stamp or first class mail, I'm not exactly sure what the designation is, will get a postmark on it that says, "Congratulations, Emirati Kanu, twenty twenty one U.S. Open Women's Champion." We're so proud of you. Something like that. Like like like, and this is not a small country. They may act small sometimes. But this is a country of sixty eight million people. Like to be doing this about this like local girl comes good story. It's enormous. It's crazy. It's I, enormous. I, it, it's, it's worrying on some level. Like we, we don't know how she's going to handle any of this or how anybody's going to handle any of this to go. F- and, and, and she just skipped so many steps along the way, especially with Britain, like media steps. Like she doesn't know these reporters. They barely know her. Like we've never we, met her. No, I've, I've been impressed with her. In the, well, yeah, in the, you have now at least, but yeah. In the interview room. But like, I was sort of thinking, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is my second time talking to you. And it's like, after you just want to slam a semifinal, like, and obviously the COVID, but this even not, that's not, that's not first... even a COVID thing. It's like, it's only her second really tour event that I would have covered Wimbledon here. Well, so, but I would have, Open. yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like, I would have at least met her at Wimbledon or in Nottingham or, you know, something like that or, or qualify. I think, did she play Qualies? Or no, I would have like Qualies San Jose. 
you know, like she got major wild card. Yeah, yeah um, and whatever. But um, she is definitely the first WTA major champion that I have literally never spoke to in person. Yeah, uh, which is super weird. And part of yeah, like we can say a lot of that could be COVID, but a lot of it could also just be. I mean, an illustration of how many steps that she has skipped. But it was interesting. I spoke with her today for the Champs Corner, which is actually kind of cool because normally we do the WTA Champs Corner like immediately after the match or after Mm -hmm. their media rounds are done. Uh, So it would have been Saturday night. But it just was late. And, you know, so it just kind of, you know, for my reasons and also their reasons just kept getting pushed back. And so we ended up talking this morning uh, on Wednesday, uh, which actually worked out It's Tuesday, by the way. You said Wednesday earlier, but it's still Tuesday. Fair enough. It's Tuesday. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's fair enough. Uh, but yeah, so it's Tuesday and we did the interview and it actually ended up being great because she a lot has happened in the last 72 hours, you know, and it was kind of nice, like, you know, not having to ask questions about the match. Yeah. Or really about her two weeks and just spend the time talking about the future and a little bit more of. um yeah, a helicopter view of her career and and where she is at the moment. But one thing that she did say that that struck me that um yeah, I was like, you know what? I I think that's right and I I dig it is um just how quickly she adapts. Like she was she kept saying that about her her two weeks or three weeks as it were yeah. um in New York and even since Wimbledon, you know, playing this is the longest time she's been away from home a longest yeah. overseas trip, all these sorts of things. But just like how quickly she was just saying, I just, I've, I've, I learned about myself that I can adapt quickly. And she took that from the t- court, but also into being at the Met Gala and rubbing shoulders with, with Kristen Stewart and, and going to good morning America and, you know, the New York stock exchange, like all these things that should be quite overwhelming being dressed by Chanel, you know, and doing that, that. And she was like, it's really weird. And it's, there are times where it sounds like she just it's hard to get her head around these things that are happening but she's like but i've learned that i can i can adapt i can get used to it you know like it it's it's not that big of a deal and how quickly she was able to adjust even in from the beginning of like get starting to get ready for the met gala to like 10 minutes after the red carpet how quickly she felt comfortable and settled in so that like gave me confidence that there was a humility there in terms of recognizing like this is wild but also kind of like but i think so far i'm surprised that i'm handling it this way you know so that gives me some confidence for sure she has the tools to handle it it's one of the things that stuck out to me when i and i've tweeted this also about her uh when marty fisher's on our last episode of ncr one of the things he talked about was one of the things he thinks makes it mentally challenging for tennis players is the lack of formal education they have these people, honestly, that they are not they, himself no, I included. I know, but you know, formal education. Oh, of course. The WTA context Lack of formal has education. a certain loaded, of loaded meaning. So, of course, the, but you the, the are meaning Serena, it Serena, outside of that. The Serena ninety nine. I'm paying respect to to. The, I'm playing the hits, but I also, you know, know that it is real. Um, and Raducanu, you know, went to normal a normal relatively school, you know, all the way through this summer and did her her A levels and all the other British sort of stuff that high schoolers do. And never went to a full-time tennis academy, was not a voluntary kid or whatever else it may be, you know, sort of like uprooting and living your life just for this one thing. And so that's probably given her maybe not everything she needs to, you know, like this is a whole lot that's being thrown at her and will continue to be thrown at her on every, again, every envelope sent in the UK for the next like four days, we'll have her name on it. That's it's still insane to me. Um, 
but yeah that like she she has the tools and has the resources and has the people around her hopefully and maybe wimbledon was a bit of a test run for that just sort of bouncing back from that it's something we haven't talked about but how wimbledon ended people were worried about her you know what she defaulted from that match with breathing difficulties that sort of turned into an anxiety issue for her um retired from and, the match she wasn't defaulted from the match yeah it's right, saying yeah. defaulted I hate those. All the terms are bad. Um, I know, but defaulted is definitely not the right word. Okay. Okay. She did not do like tennis sangers and didn't get defaulted for the match. She, um, she. Defaulted yeah. means somebody did something to you. Like right. retired is she retired from the match. Yeah, she, she, she could not play on. She stopped the match while she was off court, which was unusual. And we didn't see her that day in press. She didn't come press, which was also unusual. So like rumors were like, what's going on with her? Is she, is she alive? Like we didn't, we didn't know. We had no idea. Um, anyway, so. I think I, I'm hopeful that she can handle this. I know it's a, it's a ton, the propositions of what she's sort of facing, the sort of hyperbole already around her and her earning potential. There was a headline in some British paper. that's like, like, Emma kind of said to earn $1 billion in endorsements. It's like, oh my God, calm down. Like what? Billion? That's the stuff that scares me. Not yeah. like the fact of it, but like the, just the chatter. The projection and like, of it. She's, you know, been on the cover of like the, the the British papers, like for the third day in a row. They're interviewing friends of hers from elementary school. It's like a whole situation, and um, that's the stuff that worries me more so than than you know, can you replicate your tennis and things like that. But but I will say that that um, one of the things that I asked her today in our interview was, you know, I was like, you know, you you've spoken a lot about your parents and you know, and, 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 um, and there was a lot that she said in her answers throughout the fortnight about her parents that resonated with me. Um, and I told her, I was like, I'm an Asian American. Like I, there was just a lot that you were saying that like, I've heard from my parents, you know, immigrant ethic. Um, and same with Layla as well, who I, I know we'll talk about as well, but, um, it just, it, it, it sounded so seamless and so true. And then, you know, and there was a line that she said after, in I think in her final press conference about her father, who's Romanian, uh, saying, I didn't realize you were this good, yeah. effectively. And I was like, oh, my God, I've literally heard that from my father. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like when something good happens, like, I really didn't think that you were that good of a writer, honestly. I was like, thanks, Dad. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of people on Twitter who would agree. But um, oh. but outside of but like so she kind of talked about that, about having parents who are incredibly demanding and, you know, have incredibly high expectations and things like that. And she was like, you know, kind of growing up with that, like it, it made me a perfectionist. It made me, it drove me, but also like one of the things I'm learning is to cut myself slack and to be more forgiving when I don't get it right, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of a wild thing to think about, like somebody like realizing as they've just won a major, <laughs> right? like, you know, yeah. like it's kind of crazy. But again, like, I think that that's not easy. From what to do, it though. sounds like, in a very good way, I think, in my opinion, she sounds like she's never gonna necessarily get too big in the head, and too because I don't think that her parents will allow that to happen. Like they will always be there, like just like my parents are, of just being like, you know, calm down. Yeah. Like you're not you're not nothing. Like you know, there are other kids who are better than you. Like, you yeah. know, like, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and I mean this in a good way. It's not a bad, like, this is just the way that it is sometimes with some families. But yeah, so I don't know. Jury's out. I hope people give her time to to figure it out. I'm worried that, you know, she plays Indian Wells, which is a weird tournament because of the balls in the air and da 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 loses first round. And then if that's her last tournament for the season, like, people are like, oh, you know, that's the stuff that everyone needs to 
check at the door, like let her figure it out, you know, um, slowly. And the expectations have to be tempered because we have to ultimately acknowledge that we just don't have enough data points to let, you know, the stock soar in a way that yeah. is like you're kind of blind. You're buying blind a little bit. Like you can be confident, but you're buying blind. Like, you know, like there's a lot of things that can be that can go wrong, not because of her, but because of just anything. So um, but she she seems like a good kid. Like, you know, I'm, I'm yeah, the whole lab thing. It, it's probably accurate. You know, like she she seems like she's just built for it. But we've thought that about a lot of people. Yeah, it hasn't always it, it hasn't always panned out the way that people think so. So Emma Raducanu was one half of the sort of double Cinderella fairy tale story that was happening at the US Open, which was like, again, remarkable that this match between Emma Raducanu and Layla Fernandez in the final was just like really genuinely very highly anticipated match. People were excited for this match filing mm -hmm. into the stadium on Saturday and reporters being like, oh boy, let's see what happens here. When I was thinking like, if this had been a first round match, it would have been on like court six. It would have been <laughs> yeah. like nobody there. It would not have been one we even flagged as like a great match because Fernandez, who we do have more data on, had not been playing great. You know, she was a player who we were familiar with, much more familiar with, which is not saying much. It was ranked 73rd. It had sort of middling results, some decent, you know, a couple of slam third rounds here and there, but nothing to get too excited about, honestly, really, at the pro level. I mean, she won junior French Open, so that put her on the she map won, early. She won her first WTA tournament in the spring, but right. leading into New York... Like I've I've been very like I've been very pro Layla. I just love the way that she competes. I love her energy. Yeah. But going into New York, like there was no she was reason not on the to be radar. high on Layla no. because she had not won back to back main draw WTA matches since winning Monterey. Yeah. That in was March, March, right? Yeah, March. Yeah. So nothing. So, no back to back in clay. No back to back. She was in, arguably less nothing. on the radar than Raducanu. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. so. Fernandez comes out, gets a draw that I think really actually did wind up being a pretty good stair step draw in some ways. Uh, goes, plays Anaconda first, hard hitter, gets another hard hitter in Kai Kanepi, second round. Those are two very good prep matches by Naomi Osaka in the third round. And Osaka serves for the match at 6 5 in the second, uh, plays a bad service game, and then gets really frustrated and starts tossing a racket around and stuff. And Layla wins the second set in the tie break and then gets an early break in the third and hangs on to it. Take it six four uh, to win the match, uh, and sort of that's her star is born sort of moment. Like that's like oh wow, this you know beating the defending champion, the sort of star, the face of the women's draw in a lot of ways in Osaka, and then and the crowd up. was backing her too. Oh yeah, the crowd the in crowd was match. got. We'll get to Osaka later, but like the sort of negativity that happened to Osaka in the recent times is is discomforting uh, for for me personally. And then anyway, so then. Fernandez beats after beating the two-time champion, beats a 2016 champion, Angelique Kerber. Very different kind of opponent, very different match, except for that she swung it in a second set tiebreak again. Um, and then she goes to the quarterfinals where she plays a third set tiebreak against Alina Svitolina, the number five, uh, wins that, uh, goes and plays Arena Sabalenka very tight in a match that was all over the place from Sabalenka. I mean, Sabalenka, like... Ooh, the ups and downs. I mean, like, oh, we know that's what's that's, on. It's that's on the jar game, from Sabalenka, but like that, the last game was one of the worst like closes you'll ever see from a top player or any player, honestly. Like to be that tight and just completely in the final game the way that Sabalenka did to hand Fernandez the win, and then she goes in the final, really battle tested, and is also like 
winning a lot of people over. I think she probably had marginally more crowd support uh, going into this final. She had been, she looks more like an underdog. She's a little bit undersized. Listen to five six. I feel like she's probably shorter than that. She um, is a lefty. Uh, just makes a lot for her size. Looks really young. Looks she's older. They're both born in the same year, but she looks younger. For some reason, she always reminded me of like. This is going to sound weird, but like a nine year old going to her ballet recital. Something about like the so, way that she does the hair looks yeah, very so like young. My mom and dad were watching the whole time, and my mom just fell in love with Layla Fernandez. And the biggest yeah. reason is because she, my, to my mother, she reminded her a lot of my sister yeah. when my sister did rhythmic gymnastics. Yeah. And ballet as well. But just the way the hair was, that tight bun that looked like it had been greased down with some yep. clips. Like, yeah. That, yeah. So my, my mom was much more of a, until I came home from New York and was like, do you know about this other kid? She's half, she's half Chinese, you know? And then my mom was like, what? Um, and then she was a little bit torn, but there was something about Layla that just like seemed to charm her. Yeah. Um, and also because Layla's matches were the ESPN matches. I mean, people were not watching Radu Kanu. And they were thrillers. Really, they were thrillers, too. But they were also against, you know, big names. But people weren't really America. Because I think early in the tournament, after maybe the win over Srivas Tormo, I started getting, like, inquiries from British reporters being like, hey, can you talk about how the American public is embracing Emma? And I was like, I don't think that's happening yet. Like, not, and it's not Emma's fault. Like, she's doing a great thing. But I don't think that she's on ESPN, bros. Like, I, I think that's really kind of more of a Fernandez thing at the moment. Yeah. So Layla had been capturing the imagination of everybody. And, and I think, though, too, as you mentioned, um, just the crowd support with Layla. I think that this was the crowd of underdogs. Like, that's that was the only through line throughout the entire tournament mm. until Novak. But where where it didn't matter who was on the board if the number was lower, that's who they were rooting for. Yeah. Voraciously. Uh, yep. And Layla just looks like an underdog. She looks like Little Mac in Tyson's Punch-Out in every single match. Just like, do-do-do-do-do-do, I'm smaller than everybody. Like, you know, so. Yeah, she is yeah. like, she just comes off something interesting about her. It comes off smaller than she even is. Something about her game, it's just like, it's, she's very wiry. She's very slightly built for her height even, too. So yep. she's just like, yep. a, not a big person for tennis, but this sort of pop she gets and, the really good serving that she was, especially like Naomi could not return at all in that match. Um, and yeah, and so she she was the sort of more of the classic Cinderella and whereas Raducanu was more of a stealth candidate. It was like Raducanu like snuck through, but Layla was like the big sort of March Madness kind of Cinderella. Yeah, upset dream Layla story. was winning. Yeah, exactly. Like the March Mad, like everybody saw pretty much if you were just following the tennis, you saw Layla's runs and Raducanu for the most part, again, until the quarterfinals with Benchich was, was kind of playing on outer courts. She was playing on lesser courts, you know, didn't have prime coverage and things. And again, that's stuff that when we talk about why certain players are popular and other players are not so much of it does have to do with little things like that about you know like in the states like layla was just her draw and who she was playing those were matches that deserved ash and she was the the it was udan of them. it was udan yeah it was, yeah that's that yeah that's that's a good uh yeah that's a good analogy for sure yeah. but she i mean flip an unbelievable tournament layla franny is I, oh, yeah. I like i said like i was like super big on her really liked how she competed and whatever but in my head she was always just like a scrapper like just like she will just try and out compete you kind of situation and what she showed me in new york was that she can play 20 different ways i mean you, she can to go toe-to-toe 
she can go toe to toe. I mean, you beat Osaka. And as much as we say like that six, five game from Naomi was bad. Layla did make adjustments in that game and she returned yeah. a lot better. Like Naomi served actually okay in that match, but like Layla or in that game, but Layla returned well. It was weird to me that Naomi didn't cop to the lefty serve bothering her because her return statistics were so bad that night. And I just didn't think that it was just a matter of just like missing returns. But, um, but yeah, so, you know, you go and do that and then you turn around and you out Kerber Kerber yeah. who played a great match um Svitolina I didn't see a lot of it because I was running errands but um but again you know bronze medalist coming off of Chicago I don't think she played great but I think Svitolina still played enough to where and this is the thing about um Fernandez and, and Radu Kanu did this as well where they weren't they on some level they rolled ish but there were moments where these veterans pushed them back there were moments where these veterans made their late yeah. set charges to to flip a set or to close a set and they stood toe to toe and they didn't back down and even you know i mean radu kanu after she, in the final when she skinned her knee she was serving down break point yeah you know and only a break up and she stood tall i mean fernandez yes yeah, she wasn't at her best in the final but she didn't play badly no. she played well enough to earn a third set if that had if she had leveled that yeah. that second set so you know, you have to give a lot of credit to them both for, for being able to do that. And then, but I, for the life of me, never thought Fernanda was, was going to beat Sabalenka. That I was just pretty shocking. didn't believe that that was going to happen. Um, and Sabs raced out to a big lead in the first set. Looked like she was completely overpowering Layla. Yeah. And then slowly but surely, the doubts, the question marks, and Fernanda's just coming up with really special stuff. And that was The crowd was a big part of that one, too. The crowd the was crowd. so... Pro Layla which, in that match. Which I had flagged in my preview only because I remember the Bolter match with yeah. Sabalenka at Wimbledon. And that was another one where Sabs eked it out ultimately. Yeah. But the crowd played a big part in that one as well. And so I'm not sure. And you could see the crowd really getting to Arena. You yeah. know, she was kind of making sarcastic gestures back to the crowd and, you know, trying to pull a little bit of a Vinci. But Vinci was genuinely an underdog. Like, you're the number two player in the world and the presumptive favorite to win the title yeah. at this point. Like, it's not going to happen. It's tough for, <laughs> it's tough for both Sabalenka and Svitoli in that situation because they are, in some ways, for like people who are like hardcore women's tennis fans, sentimental favorites. Like, oh, let's get them their slam finally. They, She deserves, she's, you know, worked so hard for it. You know, kind of talk. Do you but think also that's what like, people talk? I don't think people talk about that way with those two. May, I'm imagining someone who might say that. I was sitting next to. I was sitting. <laughs> okay, no, real story. You're imagining true story. your straw man. <laughs> no, true story. I was sitting next to David Kane during this match, and that was his narrative. Fair. So, okay, it is there. Like you know, woman woman who's been on tour for years, paid her dues, deserves like to have a breakthrough. That was sort of his thought on Sabalenka, and I guess also Svitolina. Sabalenka's twenty three, like, but she's been. She's been, you know, a top player and won a lot of titles. I won't argue with it, but I, I compared to the re- compared to the resume of of Fernandez. Well, sure, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know that. I don't know. That doesn't seem to be the chatter that. All your complaints to David Kane. I'm not. I'm Fair just. Enough. I'm just parroting his his argument here. But um, the yeah, but so but they someone's in this weird place where she's like never met an underdog or like. A crowd a darling favorite. at all like she just sort of like snuck to number two in the sort of slam in this sort of us open consciousness they wouldn't have seen a ton of her and she's just okay. already sort of a favorite a big favorite you know against this little ballerina looking girl and is a big overdog and grunting and stuff and just not necessarily 
winning crowd over that way. But anyway, so it was a really interesting dynamic in that match. One other quarterfinalist I wanted to talk about here um, is Barbara Krejcikova, who uh, lost to Sabalenka pretty meekly in the quarters, one four, and like the one like dud day they had at the U.S. Open when it was yeah that night was match, and then and then uh, Alcaraz retired in the second set pretty abruptly against uh, Felix Ogiel. I seem. After, like, these epic days, there was this random one-night session that was kind of crap. Yeah. But Krejcikova, I talked to, I did an interview with her for the Times during the story, during the tournament, after she won her third round, I guess. And, yeah, it, I, I, I just think it's really cool to see her, she's number two in the race still, to see her, like, backing it up. And sort of, you mentioned her in the Rod Connor conversation, like, that you can back it up after this very sudden glow-up. Um, seeing her embrace the stage, seeing her get like, really hit a wall and, like, run out of gas spectacularly in that match against Muguruza to Muguruza's annoyance. Um, yeah, I just, I, I don't know exactly what I want to say about her, but um, I just thought it was an interesting turn from her, and she's becoming an interesting member of the of the tapestry and really solidifying herself as a top tenor. Yeah, I mean, I we did a, a, a roundtable of the WTA writers um, regarding the slam season on the website. And um, the initial question was, who had the most impressive title run of the four slam champions? And and I went with Krachikova. Um, hmm. And the reason why is because, to me, the answer, I mean, I think that Naomi's was the most dominant. I think Ash's was the most um, um, emotional. I think that uh, I think that Radu Kanu's was I'm still grasping with it and is probably the most unreal and spectacular and just like all those adjectives. But when I say when I talk about impressive, like it's one thing to be 18 years old playing in your fourth pro level tournament and just swinging and feeling no pressure. Yeah. And just the idea of failure doesn't even bother you. Like you know you're just playing. You know it is another to be whatever you know 20 25 what is critique of it these days 25 ish somewhere I think so. um but to have tried to get to the stage and to have failed to have that scar tissue of what failure looks like to understand what the moment means what the opportunity is in front of you and to do what she did in paris is unreal to me like i i don't I don't understand that, you know, like, you know, you talk to all these other players and they're like, oh, we dreamed of winning slams since we were a kid. And Krachika was like, I can't even believe that I'm playing a main draw in singles. Yeah. Like, that's the level of disbelief. We had her on NCR less than a year ago yeah. on the day where she made it to the top 100. And that was sort of like, she didn't say like, I'm done. But there was sort of like this tone of like, Mission I'm at peace with my career now. Like, I did what I wanted to do in singles. This has been like, this has been the albatross for me getting top 100. I finally did it. Like, now I'm not like finished but like content yeah. and and to up it the way that she has is bonk look she's never pl- she had never played wimbledon main draw she makes round of 16 loses to ash she'd never made uh a u.s open main draw she makes quarterfinals like these are unreal like win roland Garros, round of 16 wimbledon quarterfinal uh uh, uh u.s open plus what like three titles in between yep um that's crazy and uh, yeah i still don't think that we appreciate kind of what she's doing um in 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 massive ways and yeah and she she just completely just hit the wall understandably given how much she's played and everything in new york but 
um just yeah that she is a sol solid top 10 player i think and and yeah that she won and continued to play well you know like ash won wimbledon continued to play well Iga gets her breakthrough last year at rolling girls has had a great season arguably even better i mean points wise than 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 last season it's impressive you know to 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 see that and you want to see that so you know hopefully that gives the radu kanu uh, supporters you know some kind of hope that like especially Iga's situation but also Krachikova it can be managed it can be handled and you can continue to succeed it may not be that you're out there winning five titles like Barty yeah but if you can but if you can be in the mix at every event that you're in um and continue to build on your ranking and all that sort of stuff like Iga has that's remarkable success like Sviantek's the only player that made round of 16 at all four slams this year on the women's side, yeah, that's right. On the women's side, unreal, you know. So, you know, there are different ways to gauge success. So, I hope yeah. that, I hope that 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 uh, our British our British friends uh, remember that in how they how they uh, treat Emma Raducanu. You just need to have you just need to drop a bunch of leaflets about the Shvantec career off it on Fleet Street. I'm just, I feel like I, I, there's you know. been a lot of Iga erasure in the Raducanu conversation and they're not apples to apples, but there's been a lot of kind of like no one's ever. Yes. There are certain things that have no one has ever done before that Raducanu has done. Some things Iga did. Yeah. So some of the things that Raducanu has done, like it's like since Iga. So, yeah. you know, there is a template there. But I feel like that 2020 French Open just because it was fall. It was weird. It was her op. He kind of got forgotten in a lot of ways. It happened oh, as sure. soon as as the French Open this year. Who who would it have been? Who was in the semis? Oh, it was maybe it was like Zidansic in making the semis of the French Open this year. And people were like, wow, she's the lowest ranked semifinalist since who? It was like uh, Podoroska, like two slams ago, <laughs> made it as a qualifier. <laughs> like the the Podoroska ratio, my God. So yes, but like yes, yeah, so anyway, that slam is sort of sort of a little bit lost in history. It's an interesting kind of one. Um, but, I mean, but like I was telling, Krejcikova's I was saying to Ben before, up. you know. We talk about dominant runs. We talk about just main draw. Sviantec lost fewer games than Raducanu in main draw en route to her title on clay, which is kind of crazy. Um, so, yeah. A couple other things I want to briefly mention on the women's side. Epic, epic match. Fourth round, Sakari Andrescu. Oh, this match, match. Everything. It lasted like, <laughs> lasted like 17 hours. It was so much drama. BB continues to put Latest on. finish. Great show. Latest finish for a women's match. That's right. Um there was a woman singing, drunkenly singing the wrong lyrics to Canada, which was amusing to me. Oh, Canada, the land of brave and free. Like, no, it's, that's, that's, not, no, that's not it. That's no, not it, ma'am. Less... She like a maple leaf painted on her face, so you think she'd know better. But it doesn't come with, doesn't come with a lyric sheet. I want to talk briefly about Barty. We talked about her sure. a little bit. So Barty wins Cincinnati uh, mm. and then comes to New York. Pretty clear favorite to win the tournament. Yeah. And uh, has some wobbles in each round. You know, yeah. gets goes, serves forward against Vanareva, gets broken, ekes out in second set tiebreak. Serves forward against Tossin, ekes out seven five. Uh, gets up five, serves for it twice, right? Against yeah. uh, Shelby Rogers at after losing the first set, comes back, gets up five two in the third, and lets Never it slip. Does not point. does not close. And Shelby played a really good match. Interesting, really t interesting tactical match. Shelby really. Not going for it as much, really keeping the ball in play. She said it herself. Percentage. She played under twelves. Yeah, exactly. She was like, "I'm just scrapping out here." Yeah. And uh, yeah. Anyway, so where does Ash's season's been amazing? Obviously, but I do think this is a disappointing result, making only third round of U.S. Open and losing to a player 
who she's done well against and who she was leading 5-2 in the third. Um, and then she gets the Radu Kanu draw, which was not bad if she goes forward. I mean, not, with Radu Kanu standing, it's the big unknown in that draw in the fourth round. But I know Ash wants more than that. So I'm just curious what you make oh, yeah. of Ash's, Ash's tournament. Um, I think that ultimately, she do, uh, uh, clearly she wants more than that. She's never made it past the round of 16 at the U.S. Open. She's only done it once in even in terms of making the round of 16. So it, yeah. it, it's her, her least successful slam by, by a mile. Um, and it doesn't really ever make sense as to why. I mean, you know, she's she's a great, obviously, hardcourt player. And um, but the way that that there were a few of those those rough closes, which ultimately undid her, you know, it's hard to say. I mean, I think that you'd have to ask Ash, you know, after she gets a little bit of distance from it, because, um, you know, in the moment she was so magnanimous to Shelby. And she was so, and that was one of my favorite moments of the tournament. Just the mutual admiration. Oh, it was fantastic. Society between between Shelby and Ash. Um, Barty uh, was given the USTA's sports person award. Sports person. Sports person ship. Yeah, it's weird. Support, I don't know. It's it's just it's fine. I really don't have a problem with it just being called sportsmanship because that yeah. is a term of art. Um, but yeah, but she was given that for this seat this year along with Felix Ojeda Aliasim. Um. And so in a lot of ways, there were very good vibes, despite Ash losing, that kind of distracted from how she got herself into that situation in the first place. I mean, she played so poorly in that first set, um, could not find the court. Shelby, I think, surprised her by not playing Shelby's typical game, and she was really pushing throughout that match. And I remember being in in our WTA chat at some point... um, you know, in the second set being like, I have no idea when Ash had looked like she had turned it around and being like, I have no idea how Shelby Rogers thought that she was going to get away with playing this type of game style against Ash Barty on a hard court. Like, what was she thinking? And Shelby, Shelby taught me a lesson. Like Shelby knows what she's doing because Shelby said like, look, I was getting pasted for five straight matches. I was 0 and 5, 0 and 5, 0 and 6 or whatever against her. I'm not going to do the same thing. Yeah. That being said, there were two matches though, Shelby, that you were so close playing your that you could have beaten Ash, um, playing your style. So, you know, a five-two up, world number one, shouldn't be getting broke twice. Um, and it wasn't like Shelby played spectacular games in those. Um, you yeah. never really she never really came close to it. You know, so there are questions there. Your questions about fatigue, mental and physical, which would be totally fair. You know, as yep. Shelby said in her in her post-match press conference, like let's put respect on what Ash Barty has done in 2021 and how like just impossible that sounds like to most players of being away and doing what she's doing but sure that that's 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 an issue but i i genuinely have no idea how ash intends to finish her season she told you that she plans to play indian wells now the wta finals are confirmed in in, in guadalajara but they're confirmed for the week after fed cup or sorry billie jean king cup mm-hmm. which extends her if she plans to play by a long way. I mean, that's through the the, the second week of, of November until she'd be able to go home. Yeah. That seems... There was almost a part of me watching her and being in that press conference after she lost to Shelby that was like, Ash, go home. It's fine. You don't have to play Indian Wells. You don't yeah. have to play WTA Finals. Like, this, is, this has been a spectacular season and we're still... I mean, we're still two weeks out of Indian Wells. Like three weeks out, you know, like we still got a long way to go. So I, yeah, I don't know how she plans to finish her season, but she still remains in the head of so many players. I mean, even for Shelby Rogers to completely unbuckle her game to play, as she says herself, under 12s tennis, 
that shows you how much like Barty is in other people are like, I can't, I can't play my game and beat her. I got to do something else. No, I have no so. sense at all that like the Barty aura was really damaged by this tournament. No, like, I don't think so either. I don't think so either. And like, but, but, but micro within the matches, they were distinct. If you were watching those matches, you were like, Ugh, I did. Repeatedly I did watch during those matches. So, the Tossin one was confusing to me. It was just yeah. like, she was, cause it was a similar situation. She was up like a double break or surf for it twice and still had to. Yeah. Um, Kill scrappier than she'd want yeah. to. And it's yeah. not easy to, you know, be a, a, the sort of alpha of the tour and consistently really put people away with, you know, decisive score lines. Like, it's it's something that's it's hard, you know, that but, players do play up and down to their competition naturally. And Ash maybe is guilty of that as anybody. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And I think so. I mean, I think that I mentioned it in, in, in the the Cincinnati or in the, the draw podcast here. But, like, this is a trend with Ash yeah. that early two or three rounds of events she's pretty scrappy you know yeah. she had the match she was match points down to kucheva i loved the line that ash just even completely put in her head she's like i started my first ma- my first trip in america like was match points down to kucheva and i turned it around this one i was five two up and i couldn't close it tennis what can you do and it was like yeah. in that moment where you're like oh ash <laughs> like she'll like, be fine we can't be we can't even be mad at you like you know what i mean but but this has been a trend and and same in um Cincinnati, she, she didn't look great against Watson, but then elevated for Vika, um, you know, and so in this situation, like, who knows what happens? Yeah, I mean, with Rogers, it's a tougher one. She 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 respects her so much. It's it's a little bit of a trap match. I've always been worried about the Barty Rogers matchups throughout the year. Like, I've always thought that Shelby has the game to beat Ash. Um, so I didn't write her through that match at all. But the way that it played out, I, it was a bit surprising. But like I said, maybe looking back, maybe it's not. The one remaining WTA player who I would like to talk about is Naomi Osaka, yes. who uh, third seed here, defending champion here, has not played a ton in the last few months. Uh, obviously pulled out of the French Open before a second round match, setting mental health issues and all the talk about press conferences and stuff. People remember well. She comes back to play the Tokyo Olympics, makes third round there, plays Cincinnati, makes third round there, loses to Teichman, uh, then plays the US Open. And gets a walkover, which I think is a little bit overlooked in her tournament, maybe. Gets yeah. a walkover in the second, plays Boskova, pretty straightforward, 4-1. and one. Gets a walkover in the second round from Olga Danilovic. And then plays Fernandez and loses. And, uh, as we said, serve for the match, 6-5 in the second. And then kind of unraveled a bit on court. You know, started tossing the racket a lot in a very short sequence. Crowd got on her a bit. It was interesting how fickle that could be because she's really been a crowd darling in her career. And very quickly, they sort of, they turned on her. I think the crowd had been sort of like primed to be more boo happy from i don't want to say the blood in the water but certainly the salt in the water from andy murray's whole sitsipas situation there was sort of like <laughs> okay there's things oh. we can do you guys we'll get to that I in the, in the, about that yeah, in yeah. The men, we'll get to that in the men's show but um anyway so she gets sort of reception and then we were both at her press conference um afterwards where she like you said she did not sort of really sort of give props honestly to the the strong or her difficulty with this with the serve of, of Layla. Um, but she did say pivotally that she's, you know, not happy or just not feeling happy with, with her, with what the tour is sort of doing to her mentally and saying that she feels like she's not happy when she wins and she's sort of devastated by losses. She said she didn't feel like that was normal. And then she said uh, that she was going to, that she was thinking of taking a break from the tour. She, she wasn't sure he was going to play her next tournament. And we don't know when that could be. For all we know, she'll play Indian Wells. For all we know, she won't play for a year. We have no idea. It's it's, it's open-ended, indefinite. Um, 
but obviously Courtney, she's been such a, a conversation topic, uh, in the sport and in the wider world ever really since the French open. And not that she was a small deal before that, but it's been a different sort of conversation since the French open. Uh, what do you make of, uh, of Naomi and what she's, uh, what she's telling us about what she's going through? Um, yeah, I mean, it was funny cause Jamie Hampton tweeted that night, like, you know, if you could tell Naomi Osaka something, what would you tell her? you know, after, after everything. And, and it has to be said, like Naomi, first of all, you know, she came in and she did the press conference after losing to Layla, you know, multiple times, the USTA moderator kept trying to end the press conference because Naomi was getting emotional and she deeply made it a point (laughs) and made it a point. Naomi did to say, no, I want to say this and I want to speak. And, you know, and, and obviously, you know, that's meaningful, you know, the, the, she revealed what was going on in her mentally and what her perspective is on her career at the moment, she wanted us to know, you know, she doesn't, she's going through it. And I think that that's something that, you know, was evident in Cincinnati as well. And obviously kickstarting at, at, at Roland Garros of just, uh, she's going through some things and she's working through some things. And one of the cruel things about, I mean, it can be very nice about tennis, but it can also be very cruel is that it moves. Yeah. It is a treadmill. You know, it does not stop for you. And at some point you have to decide either to continue to kind of run at the pace that the sport is forcing you to run or that you t- you, you you hop off. But the treadmill doesn't stop. Yeah. And I think that, you know, like there's so in response, like I, I wrote to in my answer to Jamie Hampton was like, I would just want Naomi to know that nothing that she is saying is crazy. Nothing that she says doesn't make sense to me. Like as somebody who's been, you know, in or around her orbit since she was a teenager, like this is all very consistent with the person. I don't know Naomi. I'm not friends with Naomi. Like, but I, for, you know, six, seven years got to ask Naomi any question I wanted to ask her on a near weekly basis, you know? And so in that way, I have been an interrogator of, of Naomi Osaka over, over a long time and nothing about what she said you know, in the last like few months has, has rung false, has yeah. rung um, in, in, in any way, like really surprising knowing kind of like how she's hardwired and, and the situation that she finds herself in at the moment. I think that ultimately where she has landed after that match of thinking, you know what, maybe I need to take a step back is right. I think that, that I totally support that. And I think that because again, this sport is cruel and it tells yeah. you to just keep going and that things will get better next week. It's the any given Sunday kind of mentality of tennis. Yep. Like your fortunes could change, but it has now been four months and at a minimum and you don't feel different. So, you know, take that step back and then reassess. And ultimately like Naomi Osaka doesn't have to hit another tennis ball for the rest of her life. And I think that one thing that I see and I, you know, on social media and things that really, really irks me is this idea of almost kind of how dare you, like you're rich. How can you possibly, you're at the top of the Fords, like, like as though like there haven't been rap songs called like Mo Money, Mo Problems. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but separate and aside from the money, this is a um, if you've listened to Naomi and if you know her story, she's very much like to me, this sounds infantilizing, but it's not. But she's a very familiar anime character to me. Like if, if you watch like anime of like someone who is absolutely incredible 
when it comes to defending and fighting for others. But when it comes to themselves, there's a, there's a gap in motivation. And I think that's very much Naomi. I think that her entire career was about, I don't want my mom to work anymore. I want to buy my parents a new house. I want to reward them for their sacrifice. I want it so that my parents never have to work a day in their life. I want to provide opportunities for my sister who I love and adore. Yeah. I want to be a spokesperson for Black Lives Matter, to be, use my platform to elevate the plight of people that I care about, to, you know, even this summer, you know, the, the earthquake in Haiti, to bring attention to something that people... When she is that way, she is a superhero in her tennis. And she mentioned this in the question that Remaster and Prepress, when Remaster, you know, what are you... You know, last year you were here, you had a um, a cause. What's your cause this year? And if you go back and watch the video of her pre-pressed, she smiles to herself and kind of to Reem. And she's like, when my career is over, I will tell you about why I feel so motivated in Australia. Um, which was like, everybody's like, or you could tell us now. But anyways, um, but but there was this um, this acknowledgement from Naomi in her response to Reem kind of non-verbally that Reem's right. She's not playing for anything here. She's playing for personal pride. She's playing yeah. for money. She might be playing for sponsors, but she's not playing for something outside of herself. And I think that a pattern that I've seen is that when that is the case for her, she loses her anchor a little bit. And right now, having now won four majors at the age of 23, former number one, topping the Forbes list, checking all these boxes, your parents never have to work again, you don't have to work again, your sister, you're using your platform to give your sister all of these creative opportunities that she's absolutely killing. I mean, Naomi, I mean, Mari helping design Naomi's dress for the Met Gala, Met Gala unreal. Like, it looked so good. Like, she, she killed it. Um, that's all great. But that ultimately, you're by yourself on that court. And if you don't have that, you know, we taught, we opened the show about it. You don't have that Sharapova, Serena, Venus, that thing that the greats have where they step on the court and all yeah. that stuff goes away and they just want to kill the person on the other side of the net. If you don't have that, then what is the motivation and what is, you know, and I think that that's what she needs to take a break from the sport to figure out. And it could be that she doesn't have an answer. Yeah. tomorrow or in three months or in four months or maybe she does i don't know but that that was kind of my reaction to it was just like you know what good for you because you don't need to do this and if it's hurting you don't do it anymore and i would say that to any other player not just naomi <laughs> no completely and and now we might just feel more pressure to keep going because of, of what she's built herself into there's been sort of this conversation and criticism of naomi that's come about in the last few months like Oh, look at her doing all this this fashion stuff, and you know, trying to get attention while not wanting attention. That's you've heard that refrain too. That people say it all the time. I know, like, I about, hear it, and I, I know. I'm not, I'm not, my eyes as you were recounting it. I, I, me, I, it's a bullshit I, I, thing. I, I, I'm saying that, I know, no, no. I, and I, I know. And she's, you, and, I know. She's, and she's explained sort of where she sees a difference there. Um, but I do think that it does it does lead to sort of more ambient expectation and stress and pressure when she increases when when the visibility increases and how aware she is of that or not. I don't know. It's not really the point. The point. I think is that 
it's like what Billie Jean King said to her sort of jarringly in that racket panel when she, you said it earlier. Like, she'll have to play another match again if she doesn't want to. It's like what, right. what Jack Donaghy says to Tracy Jordan in the, con- in the contract negotiations episode where he accidentally says, like, oh, it's so great it's not about money with you because, you know, you don't need to work again. You've made so much money. He's like, I don't. Oh, I quit. Yeah. Simple as. No. Kind of get that energy from Naomi, too. Potentially not that she's quitting at this moment, but she doesn't need to. And, and the other thing is, I think they're just a couple different thoughts that are not going to be as anywhere near as coherent as yours. One, I hope that she, stepping off the treadmill, stepping off the, out of the hamster wheel, I hope that she can get some sort of base of support and help for the issues she's going through. I've not gotten the sense, and I don't know for sure, but that she has gotten that sort of professional help with the mental health stuff that she's that she's been open about. I hope this is a chance for her and people around her to help facilitate that and help her get that set up because that's it's negligent not to do it at this point, and, or at least to try and the other thing, which you mentioned about Radu Kane, which I was thinking about with Osaka too, like, I think part of that, and that's going to come with a sports psychologist or with a, re- a regular psychologist, whatever it may wind up being, or a psychiatrist, whatever, or just different advisors, coaches, mentors, just about being kind to herself too, because this is something that, you know, if you watch the Netflix documentary, which I did, I don't know if I've talked about it on the show um, since I watched it, but I, I, with you, I liked it. It felt very authentic to her. And one of the most revealing moments is this moment where she's at her birthday dinner and she turns to her mom and she's like, mom, did you think I would have accomplished more by the time I turned, I don't know, 21, 22, having only one at this point, I think two slams. And her mom's like, no, I don't think that's fair or whatever. But Naomi clearly feels like this expectation and maybe this is just Serena being so foundational to her and her tennis and her vision of the world that two feels like nothing compared to Serena's 23 and so she that just sort of warps her expectations or whatever, but just has to, if she wants to keep playing tennis, it has to be she has to arrive at a place where it's not where she's okay losing, and that's a tough thing in tennis, especially yeah, for someone really who is who point. is who is built that up. But she needs to, I think, she does need to learn how to lose better. And we saw this when in Rome, she loses to Padula in this match that nobody's really. You know, honestly, circling and it's like, oh, she loses. Okay, her clay's not going amazing. That's sort of the conclusion for it. But like, we weren't really expecting it to. Let's see how she can do the French Open. She's better at majors, da da da. But for her, it sent her spiraling. It, you know, that match really set her off, and, and that result, and and that's what she said in her sort of in her answer. Like, I the, the wins are just sort of a relief, and the losses are devastating. Or or shake me. And, and, and I, I just think there's a sort of a way to be kind. And she's had moments of this where she's put up notes at post after some losses. I think she lost to Mukova in Madrid this year and, you know, saying like, oh, this was not bad, like feeling better. But like, it kind of has to like, know that she's already, she's won, she's won a slam for four years in a row. Like she's won one slam for each of the last four years. Like she's incredible, amazing, Wonderful, like that Lady Gaga gift, you know, spectacular, jaw-dropping, da 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 Like, she's all these things. But, like, she doesn't give herself props yes. for that on a regular basis. And just needs to learn, this is, again, this is sort of a, a, a getting help, hopefully, thing. Like, just be nice for yourself because you're awesome. And I know it's obviously people have a tough time seeing that in themselves a lot of times. And Naomi's obviously so self-deprecating and so perfectionist and all these things. Um, that it's, it's not easy for her. It's much easier said than done. But, like... You gotta, you know, and I hope that seeing, and this is maybe not rational, maybe it is, I don't know how she thinks, I hope that seeing Layla make the final makes the loss feel less bad to her. I hope that she's sort yeah, of like, I, I don't know. That. I saw those references, and I think my initial instinct was, 
a little bit of annoyance at that being the take once Layla made the final because I was like, losing to Layla is not the reason that she feels the way that she feels. No, I agree. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, the way she's been going through this for four months now, this is fundamental. This is, you know, and, and the worrisome thing a little bit is, is like that whole feeling of wins are a relief and losses are devastating. That's pro athletes. That's being a champion, man. That's Serena. Yeah, that's that's just, Tom that's, Brady. That's everybody. That's yeah, it's different and it's different for y'all. And so I don't know how to unwind that. I don't yeah. really know if there's a solution to that mentality. That is a champion's mentality. Ideally, I mean, I guess the only solution really is that that then steals you and forges you to get the wins. Like That should give you that extra 10%, 15% that you yeah. level up on. But it's a tough one. And that's where, you know, she needs to, and she's hardwired different just like everybody else. And so she has to, but I think that stepping away I think that that gaining some perspective, just assessing her life. She won four majors by the age of 23, former number one. She's accomplished everything. What, like, does she have dreams of winning Roland Garros? Do you have dreams of winning Wimbledon? If not, honestly, play the hard courts. So prepare, go and go and dominate the, 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 the spring hard courts. Take the summer off because it's not good for you. You don't like it. You don't enjoy the challenge of it. You don't need it. And then go do, go go crush the, the the summer hard courts. Never be ranked in the top ten ever again because you're gonna be skipping out on four thousand points and whatever yeah. two two one thousands and those are, so what do, 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 six thousand points will be zero pointers for you. So what? So what? Who cares? You, so what? So so what? Who cares? So what? Because if 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 that's what. If that's not, and I say this as somebody who does not want this in any way, shape, or form as an employee of the WTA tour, but I'm saying like person to person, if what you value, if, if that doesn't, if you don't, if you're not feeling it, no one's going to judge you. If the cost benefit is not working for you, right? Yeah. If, if, if the cost of losing is too high and the benefit of winning or, or even just, you know, making third round quarters, whatever it may be is not enough to make up for that, then yeah, then step off the step off the ride. And maybe in three years when you're 26 or 27 and you've like won whatever, probably, I don't know, three or four more hardcore slams, arguably. Let's who knows. But let's say, right? Then maybe, you know, for the next three years, you're like, now I'm going to focus on clay. Now, like, I'm going to learn how to play on this. Clay Pova style. You're going to clay Pova it. You're going to dial it back. But... You get to set the terms. There is one of the one, the thing that I appreciated about the racket roundtable with Osaka and and Kyrios and Billy, was Billy reminding Naomi and Nick, you have autonomy. No one is forcing you to do anything. Don't come like I'm now paraphrasing, but kind of or maybe putting words in Billy's mouth. But don't act as though you're a victim. Don't act put upon. Of this tour. You're not. You're not put upon. You don't have to. You don't have to because, like I said, the cruelness of this sport, it moves on. Whether you're on the treadmill or you're not, you're not stopping anything. Like, you you lost a uh, third round? Okay. Here's Emma Raducanu. <laughs> Here we are. You know, you skipped uh, Roland Garros last year? Iga Swiatek. Like, we mint champions. A champion will be minted every single time. It's fine. But that was sort of to... that was sort of the takeaway of this U.S. Open period, of yeah. you know, of oh, the no yeah, Roger, yeah, no Rafa, yeah. no Serena, no Venus, no team to attending the men's champ. Like the 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 tournament will endure, 
you know, like so long as obviously the pandemic did threaten it last year and cancel Wimbledon and stuff, but the, the tour will endure. The sport will endure. There will be four slam champs, four men, four women each year on schedule. Not because, they're, not because they're the best, but yeah, it, it should, yeah, exactly. The, the Ronald Someone's got to win them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, so there will be someone there to win them. And the bar may go up, the bar may go down. It's what it takes to win a slam. And certainly in women's tennis, we've seen some higher and lower bars. Let's be real. Sure. But yeah, but it's going to move on. And, and you know, maybe that's okay. Maybe she, the other thing we haven't really said in this is like, there's a, a, a recent history of, of women on tour being much happier on tour after taking time away. Yes. Voluntary or involuntary? Ash Barty, uh, you point people towards the City Morning Herald article, is it? Of, yeah. of the, the deep if you dive? Haven't, yeah, d- uh, definitely. Google second serve Barty Sydney Morning Herald and read the article that was about two years ago, I think, 2019. But it, it really details, I, I think I said this in the Wimbledon uh, episode that we did after Ash won, but like how we, we, we think it's cute that Ash took a couple years. She went and played cricket. What a, what a stud. It could talk about like semester abroad. But what you do, and and even I rereading the piece was reminded of certain details, which is, um, you know, I I remembered that the piece laid out that Ash's father uh, deals with uh, mental health issues and that it runs in his family. And he's quoted in the article saying, I think I passed it on to Ash. And then uh, the article also says that that Ash went to therapy for those two years, which we knew, uh, but also says that she was on medication for those two years. Which is a really key detail because at that point, it's not cute talking about Ash's um, uh, cricket vacation. Cricket vacation, or oh, she she was homesick. Yeah. No, it was more than that. Maybe she didn't articulate it, and maybe she didn't tell everybody. But that's a pretty clear indicator that it was it was a very significant and very serious thing that Ash got addressed. And she came back. She did the work both whether with the medication and with the the therapy and came back with a completely different relationship to the sport and relationship to success. And we hear it all the time in how she speaks. And I think that there's yep. so much that Naomi can take from a confidence perspective of seeing what Ash did, yep. you know, after two years away, it's okay. And even in less, and, even, even in less sort of, I mean, less number one examples, of making the stakes so high of, oh, you come back and win the French Open at Wimbledon, which is right. exactly what Ash what, what wants in theory. Barbara Stritzova gets some sort of minor drug offense thing that gets her pop for five, four or five months or something off tour, comes back completely refreshed. Yeah. Like, completely different player after this, playing much person. better. Yeah. Like, lighter as a human, like, just in her perspective of the world and, you know, stuff no. like that. No, it, it's true. And, you know, it's okay. You're 23. You're allowed to have... A postgraduate crisis of what am I doing for the rest of my life, which is effectively what she is having. Serena, her 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 role model, her her idol, her girl, uh, between 05 and U.S. Open 08, won yeah. one slam. Uh, between 05, uh, Australia, she won that one 07 Australia, and then one 08 U.S. Open. But that's a if you look at like her chart, big gap during what was some prime age years, and obviously she had her own things going on her sister dying, all these sorts of things, external factors, internal factors, lots of stuff going on with Serena. But like, you're allowed to have a respite and intermission and you can still be a goat. It might make you better. You know, even Serena too, like Serena 2011, 2011 Serena, when she's forced out with the pulmonary embolism and the the toe injury, she comes back in late 2011 and and 2012 and plays better than ever, you know, in some ways in 2013. So you're allowed to downshift. You're you're allowed allowed to to downshift, 
take a break or stop. I mean, whatever she wants to do. There's like, and again, I don't want her to stop. No, but. I don't want this at all. But I, but to your point about Serena, Serena took control. Yeah. Again, there are a lot of external externalities as to the reasons why she had to take those breaks that are not in her control. And I'm sure that Serena would never obviously have wanted them to happen. Yeah. You know, family tragedies and things like that. But for the most, but at least in my experience of covering Serena, like as a tennis reporter since 2010, 2011, she's always been in control. I mean, Serena effectively always kind of shuts down after the U.S. Open. She doesn't hold a press conference and tell everybody that that's what's happening. But you kind of know a little bit once you realize Serena's not playing Beijing. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's like, fun. I, I, remember, I remember asking her that in Australia, what about Australia 2020, I guess, like where she was there. And I was like, Serena, you've played a post-U.S. Open tournament since... 2014 and she oh, was like no, no really what? that can't be right seven years and she was like well you know but like but serena you get the sense like serena doesn't play much or hasn't played lightly but when she does show up for the most part she wants to be there you know for the most part like more and more so right like and even Ra- Ra- very, rafa yeah. rafa's the same way like rafa was yeah. scheduled pretty like when he came to washington for example like once he was there he clearly wanted to be there Yep. It wasn't like him just coming to take a check. I don't think he needs to right, check, right. obviously. But like no, he, he was like to. he was like, This is a there's a purpose on this trip. I'm here to give my all. Let's do it. Let's go play a really bizarre three set of a check sock. Let's do the whole thing. Um yeah, the sort of the and obviously these are these are very aspirational people we're comparing Nami to. I mean, she's in their league in terms of Sharapova. She's one only one slam behind Sharapova. But like she But Maria was another yeah. one. Very, yeah. very limited, tight schedule. She knew where she built her breaks in, you know, so that she could do her other things. You know, and, and you know, so there there's there's yeah, it is kind of funny that we talk about the greats when we're trying to com- like, you know, uh source solutions for for Naomi, but but yeah, no, that that's all that's all very, very true. And if, if you don't want to be there, it's okay. You don't have to beat yourself up for it, is my point. Yeah. Like, you know, it's it's okay to be like yeah, not feeling it, guys. And maybe, like, and maybe if it wasn't a Tokyo Olympics year, yeah, I maybe she would have she would have shut it down earlier. Yeah, so no, I think that I think that that in time, when we look back at the at the significance of the Tokyo Olympics to Naomi's career, both on and yeah. off the court, I think that it will it's going to be interesting to kind of re, to unpack that over the years of whether it triggered certain things to happen that that yeah. wouldn't have other hap- otherwise happened, good and bad, you know. Um, but you know, she's such a champ. Um, you know, she's so good for the sport. Um, I think that, that a lot of the negativity that gets thrown in her way is a lot of it is in bad faith, um, of people who didn't like her in the first place. And now they have a hook to finally be able to go at somebody who was kind of, um, Teflon for a long time. Like you couldn't really go at at Naomi. I think that now there's a little bit of that. And there's a lot of people who are going at her, in my opinion, when I see some of the stuff on online of, of not understanding the the complexities of mental health like they don't mean to but they're being dismissive in a way that that is that shows their lack of experience with with dealing with people or or being someone who who's going through something and she's going through something that's all and it's okay it's not tragedy you know and i hope she knows that too you know and and it's but you but you but it's not going to go away either like you like going to your point ben you do have to do the work yeah to address it you know yeah. and that's where i hope that that she's getting support of yeah. of of, fi- of finding a way to do that work cuz ash did you yeah. know do the work it's work it's work it's work marty's whole so. documentary is about it's it's work you yep. know and his whole point at the end marty of just like you know 
every day. I still have it. I, I it's not like I don't, you know, yeah. but every day I have to deal with it and every day I win, you know, that's yeah. my goal. And it takes time. Absolutely. Um, couple other brief sort of first week errata I want to mention. Sure. Top 20 seeds all made it to the third round, which is crazy. Except for Bart, uh, Brady who pulled out. Uh, and Ostapenko. Incredible stability. Was she a top? She wasn't top 20 seed. No, she was 27. Oh, uh, no, she pulled out. 20, but, I thought yeah. you said top seed. No, it's, yeah, because Mukova, who's number 22, uh, yeah. lost first round, and yeah. Goff lost second round. Um, yeah. So I just want to sh- shout that out for WTA consistency, which did pay dividends in mid-tournament. And then yeah. we got the, still, we still got the craziest final of, of two players outside top 70. So got the best of all worlds possible Nevertheless, they persisted. Nevertheless, <laughs> Nevertheless WTA chaos, chaos persisted. <laughs> Absolutely. You can't you can't kill it that easy. But it, and it, then, it produced remarkable matches. It was a great tournament. Great, great tournament. It was an unbelievable tournament. Where are people, on people both are going, sides, honestly, yeah. but like people are going know, about this I, tournament. Yeah, I think the women's yeah. is better than the men's. I think the men's final, especially, was a letdown. But we'll get to the men uh, in the next uh, section or next episode of the show as we break this up. The other player who I wanted to briefly shout out because I thought she just had a wonderful, brief, you know, sort of like best uh, actress in like an Emmy guest role is Sloane Stevens. Oh yeah, only played three matches, but they were like blockbuster yep. matches. My God, opens against Madison Keys in the. Rematch of the 2017 U.S. Open final wins at a third set breaker, plays incredibly well against Coco Golf in the second round, and then loses a very tight one to Kerber that I feel like she should have had. Um, it felt like Sloan was going to win that match, and Kerber yeah. just kind of wrenched it back. In the and she had a great record, great record against Kerber too, like a yeah. low key, low key yeah. pigeon of, of Sloan and Kerber. Uh, anyway, so and she was just great and precious, a great storyteller. Like she's just like such a value add at this point, and like and a great ambassador. And thinker and, it and seems like she's personality. In a good spot, yeah, know? she's I mean, I, happy. I think that she's in a good, happy. She looked spot, good in the Met Gala you know? too. To bring it full circle, she did. She looked great in the Met Gala. No, like Sloney was definitely like one of my like low key MVPs. First week MVP. Especially week, first week yeah, MVP. Yeah, like because that, I mean, her match against Maddie was the first match on Ash. Yeah. And I kind of feel like that just set, and it was a three. I mean, it was the match we never got. You yeah. know, uh, you know, three, uh, three, four years ago. So. Um, and it just set the tone for what what was going to happen on that court. Ash is, I mean, and we can talk about this, whether it's on this episode or I guess it's more of a men's episode issue because of the people who were not here. But without having those top players plug up Ash with their straight set, like the Federer, Nadal, Serena, like whatever, their yeah. straight set things, it made Ash like this genuine showcase for these incredible matches with players that would normally, these matches might be happening on Armstrong or might be happening on Grandstand at different times, you know? I, I mean, think, that's a, I think a women, a, that's a women's story. I agree. Yeah, like, because the, the men did have some, yeah. Oh, I guess they did, yeah. Like, yeah. Well, like, Zverev um, played every match on Ash and his weren't particularly compelling until the semis. And then, like, Medvedev kind of rolled on Ash. That's true. Okay, so it's uh, a women's anyway, story, fair enough. Yeah. But it did open up more slots. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, like, uh, Pliskova, Anisimova, Keys, uh, uh, Stevens, which would have been on Ash anyway, but I'm not sure Pliskova Anisimova ends up on on Ash. Uh, you know, if Serena's in the in the draw, let's right. say. I mean that, yeah. or you know, like that sort of thing. Um, totally. Or or Venus. Um. So yeah, there was there was just so much amazing stuff on Ash, like Bianca, uh, doing Bianca things. Um. Yeah, that Zachary match was was not Zachary Pliskova, which was like a weird serve fest, but weirdly compelling. There was just a lot going on, and I Pliskova and Isimova to pause on that was amazing, amazing match. Uh, that was I, that I was one of my matches of the it, season. Yeah. yeah, one of my totally. matches of the season of the Slam season for sure. I just was blown away uh, by how well Amanda played, and I hope that she knows that. I hope that she walks away from that match realizing that like that was Grand Slam winning tennis that she played, yeah. and just it just 
one point Pliskova kind of so so many players are so good right now so many it's like the depth is 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 wild it's yes. it's truly something and on that and note, in different ways yeah like it's not the same game it's not no. like a bunch of power it's not a bunch of grinders and so it's so fascinating when these things i mean Pliskova was the pusher in that match she was defending the whole time yeah. like she like it she it was wild she hit six unforced errors combined in the second and third sets i think combined or each i can't remember crazy carolina and amnisimova's backhand was just flowing it was it was a wonderful match there are so many p- players playing well i am still trying to process what happened in those in that fortnight but um yeah that's not that that was a new york uh that we will not forget anytime soon that was wild so there we go. Awesome. That was our women's show. Stay tuned and probably timeline wise, probably the next day or so for the Ben's episode, which we will record shortly to come out. Uh, no full outro here. Just leave it abruptly. Some song of, uh... Oh, you were saying Courtney, I was actually really surprised. This feels like the first time thing. You didn't, what you don't know that are... song. The, the, the four, the, the, the feels like the first time. Oh, that song. That's what they're calling. Feels like the very first time. Yeah. yeah. That's the song that you were like. Okay. They can play yeah. it, but no, like it was weird. Also, I would just like to point out in my opinion that British papers and British accounts tweeting fairy tale of New York in reference to Emma Raducanu is the equivalent of playing one by U2 as your wedding song. Like, that is, like, stunt. Like, I'm just like, you guys know what that song's about, right? Like, I don't think that should... It's not a... It, it's about not being a fairy tale in New York. It's like a board in the York, USA thing, yeah. It's a... New York sucks. I mean, like, literally, their home... Like, their home... Anyways. So, yeah, like, one is about the Edge's divorce. So I never understand when people are like, it's so romantic. Is it? It's literally about divorce. Like... That's the energy of that song. Why are you playing it? So I kept seeing these British accounts like doing fairy tale of New York and then a picture of Radicanu. And I was like, don't know. There are, there are so many much there are better songs. Like, again, quote the Pulp song, Do You Remember the First Time? Great song. Iconic song. You'll sing it for days. But yeah, I did not. Foreigner to me is is hot blooded, is is I've been waiting Cold for a girl ice. like you. Oh, she's as cold as ice. Yeah, willing to sacrifice. Um, yeah, but it's so campy. It's so camp. It's so camp. Yeah. But no, like, um, uh, feels like the first time is just that's not the song that was coming to my head. So I was so confused by that. Maybe I'll play "Cold as Ice." It's a good, better song. Enjoy the outro. Bye, guys.